Welcome to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. Jeff, a lot of football. Great weekend of football. Great weekend of football is right. We are recording this Sunday, September 3rd. Crazy that it's already September. We're just getting done watching Florida State just absolutely dominate LSU for the second half. It was a really it was a 50-50 game that first half. LSU I at half thought was probably playing the better team. They just had a few mistakes in the red zone, but Cole, it was great. I mean, football was back. I would say from I know the national media is pretty against the how the week 1 went. There's just there wasn't many big games, but it was an amazing week, Cole, and I hope you Hope you got a lot of football in this weekend. Yeah, I got a lot of football in. And you know what? I honestly don't mind the slate being not quite as good in week one because you throw any football in front of me week one, I'm so deprived of it that I'm going to enjoy it. So let's save those good games for later weeks, those better slates for later weeks when we're not as starved of football. So little spin zone there. It's okay that we don't have a week one because I was going to consume and enjoy thoroughly any football that was on. So I'm fine without the great week one slate, but the Florida LSU game was a good top 10 matchup. And we can just start with that real quick, just because the game is still currently going. But LSU looked pretty good in the first half, but the receivers for Florida State, we knew that was a mismatch. We knew that LSU DBs, that was the biggest question mark. That unit was the biggest question mark on their team. And Florida State might have the best receiving core in the country, probably top five. Johnny Wilson was unreal. Keon Coleman can make amazing acrobatic plays. That whole receiving core is very, very good. Benson is a great running back, and they have the guy to throw the ball. So if I'm Florida State, I'm over the moon right now. And the the D-lines, they showed up in the first half, and it was it was good from that um, for both teams. But Florida State just completely ran away with it in the second half and really just outperformed, outcoached, and out-everything LSU. Yeah, and as as you are as you were talking about the game not being finished, it literally just finished. Florida State forty five, LSU twenty four. They got a late touchdown, kickoff return touchdown. But Johnny Wilson's a crazy wide receiver, Cole. Like he dropped three just blatant wide open throws, and then he makes some really t- tough contested catches. And as crazy it is for him being. 6667 the guy they throw it up to is Keon Coleman. I mean they isolated him one on one with the corner. He went up and made the catch and he is an elite elite pass catcher. Obviously I got to watch him a lot at Michigan State, but they have weapons. Like Cole said, I mean you got those two. I'd say they're probably better than top 5 duo in the country. I mean they're they might be top 3 with how they look tonight and Trey Benson's just what they need at running back. Jordan Travis looked good especially in the second half. He made some really questionable decisions in the first half. He had a really bad interception that I really don't know what he was doing. Then he almost had another interception. But Florida State made a statement night one. I really thought they would do that. I picked them in the uh, in my A in the A plus picks of the week, and I had a lot of faith in them. I think this is a really good team. I picked them to win the ACC, and they they looked elite. LSU is going to be fine. They also had a lot of miscues receivers dropped a lot of passes I didn't think Jaden Daniels really played that bad I think they need to have him run a lot more Cole because he is he is special when he gets the ball and can make the quarterback read and run up the middle like he has elite speed and he can break tackles I was kind of surprised they didn't use him a little bit more for how elite a playmaker I think Jaden Daniels is so I think that's something Brian Kelly will 
keep an eye on going forward. But it's the it's the one downside when you play these tough games to start the year in the era of a four-team college playoff because now essentially you're probably saying LSU has to run the table and win the SEC West and then get to the SEC Championship and probably win. Maybe if they lost that game, they could still get in. But next year with the 12-team playoff, these games aren't going to have as much pressing concerns if you lose week one. And I, they were broadcasting in the game, LSU plays USC week one next year in Las Vegas. So that's another game that LSU is going to start off the year for. But Cole, it was it was a great weekend of college football. Uh, real quick, like and subscribe to the podcast. We've had a lot of fun feedback on our A-plus picks of the week on Instagram and Twitter. A lot of people were engaging. A lot of people were responding. We'll get to those picks later in the week. It was a tough week for Cole going 0 for 4. I, I did like a lot of his picks. I, I backed a few of them. They just didn't They just didn't hit. And I went 3-1. and one. Purdue screwed me. They were up 11 in the fourth quarter and blew that game. So, Cole, let's really quickly to start this podcast, let's give a recap of teams we like to watch and how they did you're going to start with Michigan I'm going to go Michigan State and then let's do Ohio State combined because there's a little more talking points on the Ohio State game I would say so Cole what were your thoughts on Michigan's 30 to 3 win against East Carolina yeah first thing just bad week gambling hand up didn't do well a little rusty I'm going to move forward congratulations and you're three and one okay so Michigan East Carolina what they did their whole game plan was sell out to stop the run and they did a good job of that. We didn't look like we were getting downhill fast. We weren't running the ball well. I felt like our offensive line didn't do a great job of opening up gaps for running back, and which is crazy because that should be a strength of our team. Our defense looked incredibly stout. Transfer number two corner, who that was the biggest question on our defense, was who was going to be our second corner behind Will Johnson. Josh Walsh from UMass, he played a great game, made an incredibly acrobatic interception. It was overturned. Uh, but either way, the play he made on that ball was unreal. So I've, I think our defense is going to be just as good as last year, if not better. I have a lot of hope for that, whole, that unit as a whole. You could definitely feel like there was a little juice out of that team with, without Harbaugh and without Sharon Moore on the sideline. It felt a little off without those guys there. And I think the team, they acknowledged it themselves. Uh, they showed up with free Harbaugh shirts. They had a little tribute to them. So yeah, it was, it was, it was weird not seeing uh, Jimmy Harbs on the sideline, but... The main story was how comfortable J.J. McCarthy looked and how he took everyone. The question with this offense was, would J.J. take this next step this year? Would he make the next step and not miss as many throws, would be able to play, make great passes, not in play action, throw the ball downfield a little more accurately? And he was, I think, 15 for 18 on yards, 10 plus yards downfield with 156 passer rating for like 200 yards or like 180 yards he was dropping balls in between two three defenders and just he didn't really make maybe we had one throw that was a little off and the rest of the game just pinpoint he looked like he was in midseason form and he looks like he has really taken the next step and complete command of the offense don't want to overreact it's only east carolina our receivers had too much space so we'll see when the, uh, we face better secondaries uh, and better blitzes, and J.J. has to face a little more pressure. But J.J. looked great. Roman Wilson looked great with three touchdowns as well. All three of his touchdowns, all three of J.J.'s touchdowns went to Roman Wilson. Would have liked to put a bigger number up on the board, but ECU got a fourth quarter late field goal, so don't really count that. So that was the game, and moving on to the next week. Yeah, I, was, uh, I watched the first quarter of this game, 
and then I really just didn't want to watch it because I knew Michigan was going to end up winning by a lot, and I didn't think there was going to be much to talk about from that game. But J.J. looked great. Like He did look very composed in the pocket, made some big-time throws, made some big-time decisions. Really funny, this has nothing to do with the result of the game at all. But that his touchdown in the first quarter was clearly over the line of scrimmage, and they called it. They said he didn't. This literally, I do not care. But it was like it was really funny watching because I was like, I mean, that could not be more obvious that that was in front of the line. But it was a touchdown. Who cares? But yeah, Roman Wilson three receiving touchdowns. They looked good. I mean, thirty points. I, I don't look. Michigan's not really the type of team to go put 60 on a team, and I, I don't look into this result much. I mean, Michigan's defense looked outstanding. I would expect nothing less when they're playing East Carolina, but they they look like they got some guys on defense. I feel like Will Johnson didn't even get the ball like thrown towards him like ever, and that's just because he's that good. Yeah, nothing more I can really say about Michigan. Uh, they have two more games coming up that you're not really going to have much probably to say as well, and then they play – Rutgers to start the Big Ten, and Rutgers, to be honest, today played Northwestern. They didn't look half bad. I don't really think they're going to come into Ann Arbor and pose much of a threat, but that game is probably the first one where you'll see them against Big Ten talent, even though Michigan's talent is far superior to Rutgers. So I want to talk really quickly about Michigan State. Uh, I was at this game Friday. It was a really weird game. It, It just Michigan State, I don't expect to be that good, so that the expectations are pretty low coming into a Michigan State season but to be honest after the first half and them getting through some of the 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 rough patches of breaking in Noah Kim I thought they looked good the defense looked great I mean seven points I know it's Central Michigan I'm not gonna like say their defense is outstanding because they're not but I was impressed with the ability of Michigan State to uh, stop the pass I mean they looked good. They had some big plays. Noah Kimberly, at the end of the day, stat-wise, was not bad. I mean, he threw for almost 300 yards. They were able to run the ball with Nathan Carter, the transfer from UConn, which I liked to see. The O-line didn't really look great, but it is what it is. They they won 31-7. Some big receivers made some big-time plays. I mean, Tyrell Henry caught a just outstanding one-handed snag. I don't know if you saw that, Cole, but it was an elite catch. It was in the end zone where our season tickets are, and that was a really cool thing to see. But a win is a win, 31-7. Michigan State goes next week and plays Richmond at home. You're not going to get much from that either. They're probably going to put up more points than 31, I would say. But then they play Washington the next week, and, and they're going to have to be ready to, to compete in that game because Washington can sling the football. And Ohio, or Michigan State's defense wasn't really tested in this game, but they will definitely be tested in two weeks against Washington. So, Cole, that's my take on that game. I don't know if you had any. You probably you probably didn't watch much of it. I know you took Central plus 14, and that probably was looking really, really good for most of that game. And then 21 nothing in the second half really helped Michigan State cover that game. I just thought 14 – I picked this in my weekly picks. I just thought 14 was – not enough, and for most of the game, I thought that it, Vegas got it right, and it, it was going to be a 14-point game, but State ended up winning by 24, so that was nice to win that one in the picks, and then also I put a good amount of money on that in the non-A-plus picks. Yeah, it was pretty much what Michigan State was supposed to do. They've had two close games against group of five teams in the past, so I was going, I think this is one of their worst rosters that they've had in a while preseason at least 
So that was why I decided to just based on history and based on the roster I see from this team, I was like 14 and a half. They've done this before. I've seen this before. And that's why I bet against it. But yeah, they looked better than, I mean, they covered the spread by more than an extra 13 points. So like they did what they were supposed to do. They looked good for Michigan State standards. And yeah, it's on the next week. We're going to learn a whole lot about this team when they play Washington because they looked unreal this week. Yeah, Washington. Well, yeah, they looked, that wasn't even one of the games we're going to talk about, but I'm sure we'll sneak that in because I thought that game would be a lot closer and Washington killed them. So Cole, I know you've been dying for this. I'm surprised I didn't get texts from you yesterday about the sky is falling in Columbus and this team isn't going to make the playoff and this team isn't going to be. So tell me why Ohio State is not good because I know I, I just know it's coming. So just just get it over with. Tell me that they're a bad football team or something. They're not a good football team because, well, they're good. They're, they're going to be a good football team. But to Ohio State standards, they're going to be a two-loss team this year at least. They don't have the guy at quarterback. They just don't. Kyle McCord is incredibly, incredibly average, and I don't think they necessarily have the run game or the run run blocking to let those running backs cook. I think every year I feel like I hear about the new Ohio State running back that's going to be amazing, and Travion Henderson didn't look anything special this week. I know they had that third string, or the, not third string, whoever he was. You'll tell me his name. I forgot it, but he did really well. But they looked incredibly average. I know Indiana took advantage of the clock and really tried to take, keep the ball outside of Ohio State's hands. I mean, it really looks to me like no quarterback was able to win the job. That was it. It wasn't that someone like was just better. I think they just went with McCord because nobody was able to win that job. He looked incredibly average and not like a playoff quarterback or a Big Ten champion quarterback. So... That's that's my, that's what I think about Ohio State, and I mean their defense was good, but Indiana is going to be one of or supposed to be the one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year, and you just gotta do you just gotta play better that game. You gotta beat them by more. Okay, so here we go. So Chip Trainum's his name, by the way, and and he made a he made a big impact towards the end of last year. Just just so you're aware, he he's a good running back. But this is the first game of a brand new quarterback. I want to remind people, two years ago, C.J. Stroud went on the road night one and played Minnesota. His stats were not that great. He did throw for more touchdowns. Kyle McCord didn't even throw for a touchdown. But Stroud made a lot of bad throws, a lot of bad decisions. And a lot of people were, after that game, said, oh, Ohio State doesn't have that quarterback. Now, I am telling you right now, on the record, C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord Kyle McCord's not as good as C.J. Stroud. Kyle McCord's not going to be a, a top-five draft pick. Well, I think Kyle McCord can go this year, but I, he's not as good as C.J. Stroud. But for going on the road your first game and winning by three scores, I don't get the sense from everybody. Yeah, Ohio State should go and score a lot more points. I get it. That's fine. Like You can say that that's the thing. And I know everyone's freaking out saying, oh, Marvin Harrison's not good. or That's ridiculous. Like, if Ohio State played this week, they play Youngstown State at noon next Saturday. If they played Youngstown State this week, I guarantee Kyle McCord's stats would look a heck of a lot better, and it would be, oh, Kyle McCord's good. So let's give it some time before everyone just jumps 
the gun and says that Kyle McCord's not it. He made enough good throws. Like his opposite field read to Marvin Harrison in the third quarter, that's a really good throw. Like that's a 50-yard ball in the air from the opposite hash. Like that's an elite throw on a string. So there is talent there. I agree with Cole. They didn't run the ball like I would have hoped, but they're still playing a Big Ten level team on the road first game. You're breaking in a new offensive coordinator. Ryan Day isn't calling the plays anymore. It's Brian Hartline. There's a lot of new things going on in Columbus, and I just think all these fans freaking out that Ohio State, like Cole said, apparently going to be a three or four loss team this year. I just think it's crazy. That defense is good. Like That defense made Taven Jackson, Indiana's quarterback, first of all, he should have started from the beginning. That guy was a high-end four-star talent that went to Tennessee, and a lot of people thought he was going to be the next good quarterback at Tennessee. He has elite talent. Now, the guys around him are not as good, but I'm not freaking out. Yeah, I would have liked them to score a lot more points. They had a few plays where they should have gotten more points. Uh, They had a few drives where they turned it over Indiana's territory where they could have got touchdowns, and I get it. That's okay, but this is a three-week preseason for Ohio State before they play Notre Dame. And I know right now a lot of the national media thinks Ohio State is going to have a really hard time and is going to lose that game in Notre Dame. But who has Notre Dame played? No one. So it's Notre Dame's a lot better than I thought they were. But I, I just don't think the overreaction to Ohio State is warranted based on it being a first game for a quarterback. This was Kyle McCord's job. Like, it – it's his job. It was. It's been his job all preseason. The reason I know that is they would have played Devin Brown more in this game. Now you can say the game was closer. They didn't want to put Devin Brown in, and that's probably fair. But I'm not too worried about Ohio State. They got two blowout wins coming up on their schedule against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, and then they play Notre Dame, and that's where you're going to see what this Ohio State team is like. But if you would have told me they held Big Ten opponent to three points on the road, I would have been thrilled because that's not usually what this defense does. But this defense has a lot of playmakers, and I am very excited. So, Cole, no disrespect, but you said two, and then you were kind of saying or more losses. So I just want to hold you to that. I I just don't think – and it's like my thing is, like Michigan put up 30 points against East Carolina, and this is a team that brings back everybody on offense. So it's like the narrative that Ohio State should have put up more points and Michigan was at home. I don't know, Cole. I'm just not – I'm, I'm not having it. There, our, our three teams this week gave up 13 points combined. Let's just cheer really good defense. Yeah, you're what you say. You can do say whatever you need to say to help yourself sleep at night. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Ohio State didn't cover. and Well, Michigan didn't either. That's okay. Fair point. Touche. Touche. But, yeah, I mean, you just expect more when you have Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. when they're the top two receivers in the country. But... You can't overreact too much, but I will say before the season started, I did put the under on Ohio State win total of ten and a half. So two, I've always been saying two wins. It wasn't just or two losses. It wasn't just this week because it's not overreaction. I've been saying that uh, since before the season started. So we'll see. I feel pretty good about the pick, but. We can just leave it at that and move on from there. All right, fine. Well, we could talk about this for a lot longer because I think the national media right now in the Big Ten says the best team's Penn State. And if you think Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten East, well, yeah, I'm just not buying into that belief. So there were a lot of other good games this week. None of the games we just talked about were really good games. But 
I want to start, Colt, Florida, Utah, night one. This was Thursday night. Weird game because right off the bat, first play of the game, or Utah's first play of the game, they hit the 75-yard touchdown, uh, get the crowd rolling. And then it was kind of just a mediocre game, I would say, from that point. Final score, 24-11, Utah won. Graham Mertz threw for over 300 yards. I think that was something I was really surprised about when I looked at the box score on this game. The big thing, though, is Utah's defense is good. Like 13 rushing yards total for Florida, an SEC-level team. Like that's, geez, that's that's pretty dang good. And then Utah, their backup quarterbacks, they got the job done. That's all you can ask for when Cam Rising is recovering from his injury. We don't know when Cam Rising is uh, going to be back. But, Cole, I mean, you took Florida's under in the total wins for the season. I would say that that pick – Looks a lot better after week one. Any, What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, we obviously don't want to spend too much time on each of our games because there's some crazy other games we want to talk about. But Utah, I mean, you you were saying in the Pac-12 preview episode how good that defense was. They looked outstanding. Yeah, they completely dominated Florida the, from start to finish. Just the defense is what dominated that game. When they had to, when you don't have Cam Rising, that offense was serviceable. They did what they were supposed to do, and they relied on their strongest unit, which was their defense. And their defense did a great job. The offense did exactly what they were supposed to do and just dominated Florida. I also wasn't part of my over-under win total locks. I took Utah in the over-win total of 8.5, I think. So that was a big game for me to get the season started, for get the over for Utah and the under for Florida. I've been low on Florida since last year i've been low on billy napier since late last year i think he is just a really overrated coach he's going to be completely exposed this year and i think people are going to be calling for his head pretty soon i know florida fans are already starting to call for his head but i think he's he's good at acquiring talent but i don't think he is necessarily doesn't isn't the total package as a head coach and i don't think he's great so i wasn't super surprised but a utah defense a pac-12 defense just suffocating an sec team Says a lot about Utah. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I missed electric home field environments in college football. Like, watching Utah's crowd was just amazing. And I was at the game Friday night, Michigan State, and it was a sellout, and it was rocking. Like, there's nothing better than college football environments, and those are just those are just two of the ones that I noticed. Tonight in the LSU-Florida State game, you could even see how that game was dominated by Florida State fans. And it was a neutral site game. Now, it was obviously closer to Florida State. But, Cole, I miss that. Like, that is one of the greatest things about college football. Yeah, it's it's the best. And it's no matter where you go. I went to the night of the Utah game. I went to the Arizona State-Southern Utah game. And it was... It was, it was very fun to be at. I mean, Arizona State's not a good program at all. But... The energy in a home stadium, a college stadium, where you have all, like, they all clearly wear the same color. There's the tradition of each stadium. There's the chance. And for me, being in a new stadium where there's a bunch of new chants, you could just still, there's nothing like it where you can feel all the tradition and program. Everyone, every university, every home stadium has their own little things. They do their own songs, their own chants. And no matter where you go, it's just it's just great to see live home football. And, yeah, I was I, nothing made me happier than just being at that Arizona State game and just being in a home college football stadium. It's not as good as, you know, being at the big house, but it was still very good to be in. It's it's nothing like a home crowd for college football. No, and it's just, there's just something about those college football 
home fans and just the passion that they bring. So the next game I want to get to, this game was another neutral side game, and this was Louisville played Georgia Tech Friday night, so I only got to watch the fourth quarter of this game because of the Michigan State game, but I was following it the whole time on my phone. I, I bet on Louisville to win. I took the money line, so that was in a parlay. So that was nice because they got backdoor covered at the end of this game. But I have Louisville over eight wins. This was a game they had to win to start that year, and just the thought of me wanting them to get that off right, they had to win this game, and they did. 39-34, we had two transfer quarterbacks playing in this game. Both were really good, like Jack Plummer, 300 yards of total offense. He was with Jeff Brom at Purdue two years ago, and then Haynes King, was Georgia Tech's quarterback, and he was at Texas A&M. So really good quarterback play. Both of those guys accounted for over 300 yards. So, Cole, I thought this was a really good game. I was kind of bummed I missed some of it because I did see that Georgia Tech got up on Louisville by two scores, and so looked like Louisville had to really clutch up to win that game. Yeah, I watched the whole game, and from start to finish, they Georgia Tech, or from the, in the first half, Georgia Tech looked like they were going to win this game. It was a really, really fun game, back and forth, a lot of energy in that stadium, surprisingly, and it was—it looked like a real good college football game. It was very fun to watch, and I did not expect that at all. I figured Louisville was just going to walk right through Georgia Tech. It would be a boring game. I'm, when was the last time you enjoyed watching a Georgia Tech game? That just doesn't happen. So, But it was a very fun game. Uh, Haynes King looked really good. Plummer looked really good. The question is, is Georgia Tech that much better than we thought they'd be, or is Louisville just a little bit worse or a lot worse than we thought they'd be. And also, it could just be that Louisville's actually not that bad. Georgia Tech is what we thought they were. And, you know, new coach, new system, they're still figuring it out. But it was a fun game, and it was it was pretty solid football to watch. And, yeah, that's all I got to say about the game. But it was fun in a good way to, to just watch a nice Power 5 game on a Friday night. Yeah, and all, uh, all the teams that I bet on my over-under win totals – Everybody got a win this week, so it was a, it's a good start because I usually take overs. All my teams got uh, big wins. A few teams clutched them out. Like I have Illinois over six and a half wins, and they went down to the very end, kicked a game-winning field goal against Toledo. So those are the games you got to have. You can't lose to a max school to get your over-under. Like It's just not going to happen. So speaking of a team that thrives on the under, Utah State and Iowa played Saturday. It's kind of a new look. Iowa team, uh, Cade McNamara is there as the quarterback transfer from Michigan. They have Eric All, a good tight end that was also at Michigan. Cole gave us a, uh, an incentive that's in Iowa's offensive coordinator's uh, contract, and he he just missed it. Uh, he, need, he needs to get 25 points a game. They won 24-14. to 14. Kind of surprised Utah State put up 14 points with all I've been hearing about the defense of Iowa, and you look at, like, other teams in the Big Ten, I mean, I said we said Michigan gave up three points. Indiana or Ohio State, three points. Uh, and it's just I was the team that probably coming into the year was Michigan was probably one, I would say, but I was probably two or whatever way you want to rank those teams. So I, I know Cade McNamara wasn't – there was a lot of questions about him in the preseason because he hurt his knee. And so to see him actually play – was encouraging, I would say, for Iowa fans, but obviously nothing special. They play Iowa State next week, and that's kind of the that's the big game in that state. So I guess we'll probably see a little bit more that week, Cole. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on this game. Iowa started out up 14-0. That offense, Cade, Mac, Cade looked good. 
Eric All, he threw a touchdown pass to him. And I was like, okay, they're on the right track. They, they added these pieces. They have a better receiving core. They should. They have better tight end and a quarterback who should be able to get them the ball. They were supposed to be better. I mean, you start 14-0, like, all right, we're on the right track. And then they just stalled the rest of the game. It was, it turned into a really boring game. Utah State putting up 14 points was a bit of a surprise, but we need to be on watch for that. I think we just need to be on Iowa watch for if Brian Ferentz is going to hit this 25 points a game. And the thing is, for the, for that average hit, you need to have some that go over. And if I'm him, like I need to chalk up these first few weeks as like, all right, let's let's pile it on, let's get like 35, 40, so then I can have a little more room later in the year when we start playing these better Big Ten teams. But I just want to keep track of this Iowa team throughout the year as they're supposed to be better because they. They could have been better, but it was it was a pretty uh, underwhelming showing for their first game. Yeah, I mean, maybe we maybe we do a little segment going forward where we always we what happened? To, how many points did Iowa score this week? And just keep it running because that is a really funny incentive. When you told me about it, I thought he got like fired if he didn't average twenty five points. But it, I mean, it might as well fire him if he doesn't average twenty five points. I mean, it is the head coach's son, so probably won't get fired. But that is a. Let's do that. We'll, we'll do the little how many did Iowa score this week segment. So the next game I want to go to, and this was one of your picks of the week, and I really liked it. I did. I think Texas Tech, I had a lot of faith in Texas Tech coming in to this year, but you can't lose week one on the road in Wyoming. Now, I will say that's a, I mean, it's hard going on the road for your first game. And when a Big 12 school comes to Wyoming, which is in the middle of nowhere where the University of Wyoming is, like there's a lot of energy and buzz around that game and it was a crazy ending like the touchdown that Wyoming scored to then set him up for the game winning two point conversion was nuts like he faced an all out blitz the middle linebacker came straight up the middle he stood in there through the game winning touchdown and they scored on a two point conversion so Cole this obviously wasn't great for your uh, one of your picks but it was a great football game. I only caught the end of it, but I'm very glad I did. Yeah, Texas Tech, I'm mad at them. I'm officially mad at the Red Raiders. They, I was thinking that this was a team that was going to at least challenge for a, to get in the Big 12 title. I didn't think that they would make it by any means, but I thought that they would at least challenge for it, and I have no faith in them. Can't lose this game. I know it's on the road, but they were supposed to be better, and you can't lose to Wyoming. You cannot lose that first game. Maybe Wyoming's going to put off a nice nice season here and be the top group of 5 team this year, but I don't know. I don't I'm mad and I'm not I'm officially off the Texas Tech horse, but it was a good game and I was I just wanted Texas Tech to squeak it away cuz I have their over for the win total as well, I think of 7 and a half and they just looked bad and yeah, I mean it was a really fun game, and it's what you love in college football of smaller schools being able to be over like a lot bigger schools with a lot bigger budgets, and that's part like one of the cool things about college football and college sports in general that I love. But it's just hard when your money's tied to the bigger school winning. Yeah, and I think Texas Tech. So I learned a lot about this when I worked for Western Michigan's basketball team. But you, as a smaller school like a MAC school, a Mountain West school, the Conference USA. You get bought to come play games, and so when the when the underdog loses or wins and makes money on the game, it's pretty crazy. Like they they got paid three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to play that game, and Wyoming won. So it's cool to see the field storming as well. I always am a big fan of that, especially when it's warranted like that game was. So 
The next game, and this is the team we were talking about earlier in the podcast, and that's Penn State. 38-25 win against West Virginia. I will admit, did not watch much of this game. I was really focused on the North Carolina-South Carolina game, but I looked and watched a lot of clips from Drew Aller. He looked really good, and I think it's... I think Penn State we can finally give some respect to now for contending with Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten East because I think that team looked pretty good. They they covered on the last second play when they kind of ran up the score. If I was West Virginia, I probably wouldn't be too thrilled about that. But Cole, they looked they looked better than I probably I wasn't expecting too much from them, but it's good to see that Penn State might actually be good so then we can have a little more competition in the Big Ten East. Yeah, I mean, they honestly, I think with the amount of hype that they have and the roster that they have and the guys that they have should not have been in that close of a game. Um, the score the, the, the score is a little inflated, like you said, because that last second touchdown. And West Virginia was pretty close most of that game. I know it's your first week again, but that's a hard – that's a home field advantage if I've ever seen one. And West Virginia – is not supposed to be very good at all this year. I mean, I think they're supposed to they're supposed to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12 if not finish last. I think they're a little better than people think they are. Drew Aller, he looked pretty good. There's definitely room for him to improve, but I don't necessarily think that I'm totally happy with my team's performance if I'm a Penn State fan. I think they do have some more room to grow, especially if they are going to really go into Columbus and beat Ohio State or beat Michigan at home. But they are more likely to do that this year, I think, than years in the past, especially with uh, a quarterback that can kind of challenge secondaries a little more and, and press defenses a little more. So we'll see what happens with this team. But it was a fun environment, like you said. It's really good to see that home stadium. Nothing like a home night game in Happy Valley. But Penn State, to me, personally, was a little underwhelming. Okay, so we have a little differing opinions on that, but that's okay. I just know Penn State fans were probably very excited to get to see Drew Aller be the guy and no Sean Clifford, no no other quarterback. So another game that was filled with really good quarterbacks, North Carolina, South Carolina. Drake May looked so composed. Like he threw two interceptions, which were kind of just just bad throws from him, like maybe not thinking as much. But usually I'm, I'm trying to word that even though he threw two picks, I still think he looked really composed and he looked – he looked elite, and that offense didn't even have probably their best uh, wide receiver because he's suspended, and that's a whole other story, but that's very stupid. And I really was excited to see him on the sideline with his teammates, cheering him on because the NCAA screwed that kid, and it's not a cool thing. But I will say Spencer Rattler, I thought he looked good, Cole. I'll get to your thoughts on it, but he threw for over 300 yards. That offensive line just could not block, and it was a – it was basically a field day to the back of the to the quarterback every play. And North Carolina's defense looked a lot better than I thought they did. It's no secret Cole and I weren't exactly high on North Carolina coming into the year, but I think we can probably both say that our opinions have switched a little, I would say, on that topic because they looked good, Cole, and they, they really dominated South Carolina from the start. Yeah, I mean, the, North Carolina looked great. Like you said, Drake May looked like everything he – is supposed to be very elite quarterback. Um, obviously, those two interceptions are not what you like to see, but I think he's fine. He'll clean those up. Quick correction, 
Tez Walker, the wide receiver, not suspended, but wasn't granted immediate eligibility in the transfer portal when he should have been. So just not just to make sure everything's correct there. The thing with South Carolina, the thing that held me up on them, I actually changed my mind like right before the game. Something is sticking with me with South Carolina, and everyone talks about Shane Beamer, how he is the culture guy, like Ted Lasso-esque. But they had a lot of guys transfer out of this team. And I don't think guys are leaving a program where the culture is amazing. So something was really holding me up. Um, with them and that's why I leaned back towards North Carolina on this stage and boy did they prove themselves they like you said dominated from start to finish and the big thing that I noticed from them was they were physical their defense was good the thing that we kept here in all offseason was is this defense going to take another step and throughout camp it looked like they weren't team the press when they were allowed in said they did not look good again they did not look like a physical defense and they proved all those doubters wrong right away I can't remember the last time uh, a Mac Brown-led North Carolina team was called physical. And this game they were, and they were the more physical team. They were the better team. They ran through that offensive line. And, yeah, Spencer Rattler did not have a bad game at all. I agree. But that North Carolina defense was good, and South Carolina is in for some trouble if they continue to perform like that, especially if that offensive line continues to perform like that. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is you can't have negative two rushing yards in a football game. Like, you just – if you have that, you're never going to win. Like, I have not done my research on this, but I guarantee you if you have negative rushing yards, you probably are not winning a football game. So, the last game I want to get to, Cole, is definitely the most talked about game, I would say, everywhere. Like – I, it's by far the biggest game, and that is Colorado's win on the road at TCU, the, the, the Deion Sanders area, or era starting. And, oh, my gosh, like there, there's a lot of uh, – that, that program's crazy. Like <laughs> some of the stuff Deion said in his post-game interviews, like just calling out reporters and stuff. It's, it, those guys take a chip. Like, they, they clearly had a chip on their shoulder. Shadur Sanders, I mean, threw for 500 passing yards. Like, whenever somebody does that, we're going to give love to them on this podcast. But the guy that stood out to me the most was Travis Hunter. I mean, I I can't think in my lifetime of a player that plays both ways and plays as many downs as he played and makes such a big impact in that game. I mean, he had over 100 receiving yards an interception and it's just it's crazy like they were a 20 and a half point underdog on the road against TCU and to be honest with you I still don't think as much of the national media has bought into them as I think they should be because I saw what the line opened with next week at home against Nebraska and they're a one and a half point favorite at home to Nebraska who lost to Minnesota now Nebraska looked good I'm telling you right now I already bet Colorado minus one and a half because I think that line's got to go up like I just don't know how it doesn't go up I will say with all of this talk about Colorado I don't think TCU is that good but to still go in and do what they did and put up the stats they put up it was impressive Cole and it was it was it was cool to see the Deion Sanders hype like I mean it was real and it was all over the place yeah I mean that's so good for college football I mean there is no one if, if they keep winning games, this the level of excitement for this program are, will be the most excitement we've had for anyone or anything in college football, I think, since Johnny Manziel. That, it was unreal. Shadur Sanders, 
he played a near perfect game. He's been training with Tom Brady, so I, he's got the mentals down. He has to getting the ball out of his hands quick. He just looked really calm, comfortable, and just made all the right plays. Travis Hunter is an elite athlete. Um, he is so good, and that interception he had was unreal. The way he jumped that, like every announcer, Joel Klatt was saying, that just doesn't happen. You don't not break on a route like that and make that play. And Domani or Dylan Edwards, uh, running back, he looked really good. He played a heck of a game. Like he was very, very, very good for them. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great things that you can say about this team. Special teams and defense have to be figured out quickly for this team, especially being in the Pac-12 where you're playing against elite quarterbacks every single week. Um, I saw a graphic during the South Carolina, North Carolina game talking about all the Pac-12 quarterbacks. And they're at the end of the graphic of all the elite quarterbacks in the Pac-12. At the end of the graphic was Shadur Sanders. And I guarantee if that game didn't happen the way it did before that game, he would not have been on that graphic. But this conference is going to be so fun to watch, especially if Shadur can keep this up. Because there is going to be quarterback after quarterback after quarterback playing great. Great match, great quarterback matchups throughout the whole year in this conference. And it's not a conference really known for defense. So Colorado, even if they don't win these games against uh, USC or those teams, they can still, you know, play a fun game and put up a lot of points and a lot of numbers. And yeah, the thing is, what is TCU? Are they are they not a good team? Or like, are, we, are is are they going to be exposed down the road? But instantly, Colorado's win total has to be that new is a new expectation for this game, um, for this team, for this year. It was I think it was at three and a half, maybe four and a half to start the year. I think it was three and a half, and now it's probably I would say if I was setting the line, I would say it's at least five and a half to six after that game. And and yeah, it's. People were saying, all the coaches other coaches were getting mad. Like, this is the age of college football. He's getting all these people to transfer. Nobody could do what Dion's doing. Whether, like, it's not because of the system. It's because it's Dion. He can sell anything. He, he can literally do anything. He is the greatest salesman in this sport. And he is an infectious personality that can get talent to come to him. So that was going to happen no matter what. So people complaining about it. If you're going to complain about it, you go do what he did. But you can't. You're not Dion. You don't have that personality. So if I'm Colorado, I'm incredibly excited. I'm Everything is working out how you would hope when you hire Dion. And he proved a lot of people wrong uh, in that first game. And just one question, Jeff. Do you believe? Yeah, do I believe? Uh, do I believe what? Like that they're going to go to a bowl game. They're going to – I believe what he did already is working because – Winning that type of a game like is a massive success. Like Cole said, he could have he could have gone to Rutgers and gotten the same like level of hype surrounding his team. Like there is nothing unique about Colorado. Like there really isn't. And it was really crazy. I read some. I read a tweet that said they didn't have the money when Colorado hired Deion Sanders. They really did not have the alumni and all of that money to pay for his contract. But he told them like. You wait, like I'll I'll sell tickets, and I believe Colorado sold out. Like next week when they host Nebraska, it's going to be absolutely electric. And you mentioned Dylan Edwards; he's a true freshman. So to see the impact he had with only months in a college locker room was crazy. Four touchdowns is unreal, and he was he was catching most of his touchdowns, and so. To see what he did was amazing, and it's got to be so cool for Deion Sanders to see his son do what he did at quarterback, and then his other son 
is the starting safety for this team and led the team in tackle, Shiloh Sanders. So it's got to be a, it had to be just an amazing day for Deion Sanders. And he's got a lot to prove because this win means a lot. But if they just go on and just lay an egg the rest of the year, no one's going to remember this game. And so it starts next week at home against Nebraska. That used to be a huge rivalry in college football. I believe it was when the Big Eight was in college football. That is like a huge rivalry. Nebraska, Colorado, it's a big deal. And those guys will be ready to play that game. And if you're listening to this podcast and that line is still at one and a half or two and a half, I highly recommend betting that because they looked really good, Cole. Yeah, that's, that is, and Nebraska didn't look too great either. And Colorado will be at home. They'll, it's it's tough to win on the road in a Power 5 uh, team. So, yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch Colorado. And you know what? That game was just so fun to watch. It was it was whoever was going to get that first stop was going to win the game, and that was just a classic fun college football game. Um, and I'm excited for Colorado to be in the Big Twelve next year, back to their roots a little bit. But it was it was everything that we want college football to be. That game was, and it was just so fun. And I am really excited to see what it is like at Colorado next week. I think that stadium is going to be electric it's a really really cool stadium a really really cool place and it's going to be very fun to see how they show out how their fans show out next week yeah they'll sure they sure will fit in to the big 12 if they're playing like this because defense is very optional i would say in the big 12 but cole i have one final point i want to talk about really fast and your conference and i'm saying your conference because you are a new pac 12 supporter they went 12 and all this weekend so we had talked on the last on our preview episode for this week about some swing games that were going to mean a lot. Impressive week all around for very impressive all around week for the Pac-12. I mean, it's the Conference of Champions, Jeff. I mean, they're they, they given they didn't play a lot of really good talent this week, a lot of Group of Five games, um, with the exception of Colorado TCU. But I mean, Washington was in a place to lay an egg if, if against a solid Boise State team and. They did the exact opposite. Um, they proved that they are here to stay, that last year wasn't a fluke. Michael Penix looked great. He missed some throws. That receiving core is so good with uh, McMillan and Odunze. And, yeah, they're going to be – Washington will be so fun to watch, and they dominate a pretty good Boise State team. The other team, Oregon State, looked really good. DJ Ungalale looked really, really good today. And that that team will be good. They played San Jose State, the team that USC uh, beat last week and. San Jose State had a last-second touchdown, I think, to get it to 17, I think it was. So um, it would have been only 10 points, I think, for them. But so it was – I think Oregon State clearly has a better defense than USC, but I don't think I would overreact too much about the USC-San Jose State game last week. But that conference is going to be so fun. Oregon put up 81. Like, this is going to be a very, very fun conference. Utah versus Florida dominated Florida, owned the SEC. The Pac-12 is – the conference to watch this year. I think even if I never moved to Arizona and was still living on the East Coast, I would still be so high on the Pac-12 because it's, there's nothing like watching high-flying offenses with no de- like relative defense every single week. And good quarterback play is so fun to watch. And this conference is going to be a joy all year long. And I cannot wait to continue to watch. And the other team, my little sleeper team, I told you guys to watch out for them, Arizona. They won, I think, 38-3 to in their first game. I know that's not much. Um, they played Northern Arizona. It's just not a good school. But 
you know, Arizona is usually a pretty bad program who makes those games closer than they need to be. So I'm high on the Pac-12, and I still think I'm very confident in my Arizona sleeper pick for this year. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the Heisman will probably come out of this conference, judging by the first week. And, yeah, watch these games. If you like watching good football, watch the Pac-12 this year. Conference of champions, man. What are you smoking out there like Bill Walton does? Like, that dude's crazy. And for basketball, you can call it conference of champions because they UCLA and they're – but, no, I agree. They were very impressive this week. I was just top to bottom impressed with the conference. They won some big games that I thought were going to be closer games. I would agree that they have a pretty good chance to win the Heisman. Don't sleep on Jalen Milrow, though, my sleeper Heisman pick. He had a pretty good week one, and we're going to see a lot of him next week. So, Cole, it was just to, just to recap, it was a great week. It was just so much fun to get a full slate of college football. We're obviously recording this Sunday. There's one more game happening Monday night, Clemson-Duke. We will talk about that on our preview episode for week two. If it's if it warrants it, who knows? Clemson might go in there and dominate. I actually think it's going to be a good game. But, Cole, it's good to have college football back, and it's good to – it's just good to talk college football and recap some amazing games and some big-time games. Like, I know LSU-Florida State was a blowout, but what a game and just elite talent. And I'm just excited it's back. Yes, we are back. We are officially here. I'm so happy. There was nothing better than watching. I had four games going at once at one point uh, yesterday, and there was just nothing like watching a full slate of college football. And there's nothing like watching your team either because all the games are great, but – most of you have your one team that you just want to sit down and watch and watch what is this guy doing? You've heard all the hype for this guy, and there's nothing like sitting there watching your team play, so enjoy it. That's one game down, one week down for you guys, and we got a whole season ahead of this, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a really fun year, and I'm excited to keep going. Perfect way to end it. So this will wrap up our week one recap episode. Look for week two. It's preview episode to be dropping uh, – most likely Friday at some point so you guys can listen on your way home from work or your way to work depending on the time we get it out and preview some big games next week. I mean, we have Alabama, Texas, which is by far the headliner, but uh, a lot of good games. Like and subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter to stay in touch with all of your podcast means. And as always, people, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we'll see you later next week for the week two preview episode.